Hi, and welcome back to the Relatively Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lady. Today's guest is the most sarcastic yet most compassionate strength hybrid athlete. She might not know much about exactly what her purpose is in this lifetime, but she does know it is to help others somehow, some way. Also, she thinks design and innovation is one of the most thrilling natural highs to experience. Today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, Alexa Shippey. Alexa, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hi, Matt. I'm good. How are you doing? I am wonderful. As wonderful as you can be during the corona uh, conception and quarantine. Um, th- I was going to nickname this podcast ep- episode the, co- the the Corona Cast. Uh, <laughs> yes. And then have it sponsored by Corona and be having a Corona. Well, With like a Photoshop lime. And yeah. I like it. But we'll probably <laughs> not do that. And I don't think they'll sponsor this small podcast. Yeah. But, so doing as good as I can be um, during all this. Um, like we were joking right before we started recording. I saw the sun today. So that's always a good plus. Um, got outside. Took a walk. So far so, disease free. Yes, so far, as far as I know. Yeah. Even if I was, yeah. who knows if I could get testing. But let's not dive into that right, <laughs> yeah. right away. No. Let's let's keep it moving a little right. bit on to some other stuff. Where are you calling in from today? I am in, well, Sacramento, outside of Sacramento, between here and Jackson, California. Sweet. And yeah. is, is that where you grew up or is that just where you moved recently? Um, yeah, so I'm with my parents right now in between. I was living in downtown and now I'm uh, I'm like four weeks out from applying to UX jobs. Yeah, so I'm uh, my lease was up kind of living in between right now, but yeah, this is where I grew up. So it's kind of nice to come back here and uh, spend some time with them. They're getting ready to move too. So, oh, yeah, that's cool. Well, two. Two things. So UX is user experience for yes. those who are not familiar. And why in four weeks? Why not now? What's what's going on? <clears throat> so I'm in a design program for web design. And I have about four more. We're building, like I'm actually coding my portfolio instead of just throwing it into Squarespace or something like that. Um, so that's pretty much like my entire life is hanging on to this portfolio build. And then I get to start applying and going through that process. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's a lot going on. That's mm-hmm. occupying your time right now. Yeah. And you were, and you probably still are maybe training for a powerlifting meet that's coming up, mm-hmm. but that just got postponed. Sure did. Yes. Understandably so. Yeah. And you're, how are you feeling about that postponement? I'm in between really. I'm pretty neutral about it. Uh, it's it's frustrating because powerlifting, like we are on meat preps, right? So we spend a designated amount of time following like specific peaks and volume blocks to prepare for that specific date. Um, and so for it to get postponed, just kind of like, it, it just throws an unexpected element to this, right? So it's fun to adapt for me especially like I come from weightlifting into powerlifting. So this is all kind of new for me anyway. So I'm just going with the flow, excited to spend two more months getting stronger and chasing some world records. What? What time out? World <laughs> really? Rewind. Yeah. Oh, so shit. they are the um, 
world the world record for tested IPL federation. Um, and I'm going for the deadlift and squat record. Wow. My in, bench in, your, is, in, in your weight class. Yes. Yeah. I'm in uh, 67.5 kilos, so 148. Okay. okay, thank you. I was like, what's that in freedom, freedom, <laughs> freedom units? Unit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, that's really cool. I wish you all the best in that. And hopefully this extra time might get me help closer. you, get you, yeah, get you a little closer. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, you mentioned the peaks part. It's like, yeah. yeah, all this training is literally for that few hour block <laughs> on that Saturday or Sunday. Uh, loaded up on monster and pop tarts, like or whatever you do on meat days. Like, salt. <laughs> it's yeah, salt. It's just like crazy. Yeah. So and that sucks. That's so thrown off. But yeah. Um. So then, uh, re real quick for those powerlifting is competition for squat, bench, and deadlift. You do each one three times, single rep. Try to do as much weight as you can. You follow rules and regulations. And Alexa is going for a world record for her weight class for two of those lifts, which is awesome. So give her love in the comments and message her and et cetera. Um, so the second thing that you're talking about, and you moved back home with your parents for now, and they're going to be moving. Mm -hmm. And so how funny, and you're like spending more time with them. Yeah. How funny that, I don't know what's funny. Right word but how too soon <laughs> how interesting how coincidental that you're now even forced to spend more time with them because yeah. of the uh shelter in place and these uh things like this mm -hmm. um that's odd or it that's is. bizarre so um you're doing design program you're powerlifting you come from weightlifting mm -hmm. you grew up in this in Sa uh, just outside sacramento right did you have any uh do you have any siblings how were you as two questions how, do you have any siblings two how were you as a kid were you like straight edge like follow the rules goody goody two shoes like i was or were you kind of more rambunctious you ran around high energy like kind of give me some background on that oh that's <laughs> i will start with the sibling question although okay. the other one's really easy to answer i have okay. a very blended family um i have one full sister i have a half sister and then i've got a stepbrother and a stepsister on my stepdad side, and then a stepbrother on my uh, stepmom side. So I have all of the variations <laughs> you could possibly yeah. have. I think you checked all the boxes on yeah. that one. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, so were you are you close with a lot of them? Is that changed over time when you're younger and older now? Yeah. I mean, my parents are divorced. Um, obviously, <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> if you couldn't fill in the blank there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so growing up, um, me and my sister didn't, my full sister didn't really get along. Um, I don't know if it was an age difference. I think it was kind of a, the times with my parents' divorce, it was really hard on my sister. Um, she was a teenager. So I think that hit her pretty hard. And because I was so much younger than her, um, I was seeing her react to that and I didn't know better. So I was really scared for her. So I would always like tell on her and get her in trouble, but I was doing it not to be a brat, but because I was genuinely very scared for her. And um, I think that over time kind of took a toll on our relationship in general. Um, but when I was 
a bit older, graduating high school and then going through a really bad breakup. Um, me and my sister were pretty close. Um, but she now lives out of state and we don't really talk anymore. Uh, we just, it's one of those things where we can't see eye to eye on things. So, you know, sometimes you just have to distance yourself from people that you love and for your own mental health, I would say. But, um, my step brother on my stepdad's side, we're pretty close. Uh, he lives in town and he's the last of my siblings that really lives around here. And then my stepmom and dad live in Modesto. So they're not far. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. So cl- kind of not too close, kind of close, grew apart. Yeah. That's just how the cycle how life of goes life. sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially with such a diverse uh, family. Yep. Um, and people moving around and times. Um, okay. So then to the f- second question, I think it was, it was so like, how were you as a kid? Like, <laughs> like we're goody, goody, two shoes, rambunctious f- rules, sports. Talk me through that a little bit. Yeah. I love talking about this because my, I wasn't really, I wasn't a goody two shoes, but I was also really wise. I think in my decisions I definitely like got in trouble and like did stupid things and um, probably like I got like gotten to shit when I was pretty young too. Um, But doing all of that, I was still as responsible as I could be. Um, But I had a really not necessarily open relationship with my parents as to like what I was doing and tell them, but they never, they weren't helicopter parents. Um, And With that being said, I was able to go out and experiment and like get into a little bit of trouble without completely blowing my life. And, uh, you know, just like I had friends that their parents were helicopter parents and that just made them want to go to the extreme and really screw up. So, uh, I was not a goody two shoes. I was in athletics. I played competitive soccer and softball. So that kind of kept me on track. Um, but on all the off seasons, which wasn't very much. Um, I definitely did some regrettable things. I learned. Yeah. From. <laughs> I think, I think huge key things there you said is your parents weren't helicopter parents. You stayed on track generally, yeah. and then you got to be a kid yeah. in between. Yeah. Like, I think that is a relatively pretty healthy balance. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was nodding my head furiously for everyone else listening when she was saying, I've saw my other friends that did get helicopter parented. Um, and then they went off to college, for example, mm-hmm. and then just absolutely didn't know how to control themselves, take care of themselves, take care of their time, money, etc. cetera. Um, and think it's experienced some of these things. Uh, I'm alluding to drugs and alcohol and sex yeah, and these other things. I'm just going to say it. Um, that yeah. a lot of people do experiment or get exposed to in high school. Um, then college, it gets wild. And there's so much more out there, too. So um, I think that I'm, I'm, it, seems like you, you're, it seems like you're an okay person. So it seems like it worked out all right. So yeah. that's good. That's good to hear. Um, softball in college, or so, sorry, softball and soccer. Mm-hmm. And that was through high school? Or did you also into college? Or did you go to college? Or what's that like? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, <laughs> I played. 
I played competitive soccer, uh, competitive softball and volleyball at the same time. And that was like, uh, when I went into middle school, that's when I started playing competitive soccer up until I think like my freshman year of high school. Um, but because I was playing nonstop and going from different pavement, like I played volleyball and then on the dirt and softball and then running and soccer. Um, I actually had like four stress fractures in one shin and three in the other. And it started with shin splints and I refused to stop playing. Then they turned into stress fractures and I like, there were days that I couldn't even walk. Ouch. So I eventually, and of course like the doctors back then recommended me stopping what I was doing and not any preventative or any rehab. It was just stop what you're doing. I, yeah, totally a typical story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stopped playing until I think it was my junior year of high school when I went back to play soccer for the high school that I was at. Uh, I went to Pleasant Grove High School in Elk Grove too. Um, I tried out for the team and on the very first day I got cut because I had played the coach, the head coach that took over at our high school was a competing, he competed with our team and there was like a feud between coaches. So he knew who I was and he was like, you're not playing for me. And I got cut on the first day and any scholarships I could have had anything, all of that was just like taken away because of politics. That's dog shit. I'm sorry. Isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that sucks. It does. It did. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So that was soccer. And then did you go back into any of the other sports after that? Or was that kind of it? Nope. That was pretty much it. Um, I ended up like, I would go to the gym. I had three jobs in high school. Yeah. In high school? <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I worked at, there was a very brief time where I had three jobs, but I, for the most part, worked two. Um, and oh, I graduated okay. high. <laughs> And then I graduated high school early too. Um, So I would work. So I'd go to school and then I would, and I was, you're familiar with the Sacramento area. Generally. Yeah. So Elk Grove. And then I worked in Folsom Mm. because where I grew up is like in between, it's like a triangle. Um, So I would get out of class at like noon, drive back to where I'm at here. And then I would drive to Folsom and either work one job or both jobs. And then when that was done, I would go to the gym like at 10 o'clock until 12 when they kicked me out, go home, get up at 5.30 and do that all again. Wow. And I was that like was... 16, 17. Yeah. High school, not college. Yeah. Like, that's Wow. That's incredible. And so a lot of people, not, not a lot, but maybe many people experience that in college to yeah. pay for things and pay for rent and pay for college tuition mm-hmm. and things like this. And then some people also do the gym thing on top of that, which is crazy, but you did that in high school. Yeah. So was this by choice or by kind of like you're forced to do it because of the circumstances you're in? Um, I would say it wasn't that I was forced to um, my parents with their divorce, the biggest thing was money. It was always money. And they would fight constantly about who was going to pay for this and go ask your mom, go ask your dad. And so that became such a burden 
that I was just like, I'm not going to deal with that at all. And I'm just going to work on my own. And both of my parents are super hard workers. And so I've always had that, like, I've always seen their work ethic in general. But I, that was my main influence was, I know that I have to work. I know, like, that if I want this fighting to end, I have to make my own money to pay for my own things. And <clears throat> so I just took things into my own hands. And really, ever since then, um, I think it created a lot of problems in my life, just that like, are you arguing over money as a kid and like down the road, like in relationships and sort of things like that. But it also created a work ethic to provide for myself too. Yeah. So, yeah. So you saw this happening, decided to do something about it at like what, 15 or 16. Yeah. I got a job uh, January, right after I turned 16 in December. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's, that's nuts to me. Um, I was refing basketball once a week uh, <laughs> yeah. in high school, like when I was not like in school and then like playing. Yeah. So it was just like, just to something to do. So it's like, it's crazy. Um, so you took, you like took accountability provided for yourself basically. Mm -hmm. um, and you said you graduated high school early yeah. and then uh, money problems or money discussions persisted into future relationships, like you said, mm -hmm. but was there, what was after high school, after you graduated early? What did, what did you, what happened next? So I, the counselor at Pleasant Grove that I was seeing, um, she told me that I couldn't get into any four-year college because I was graduating early and I hadn't really ever planned on it. It was always like my parents really pushed community college and um, that sort of thing. And then um, I found out that I could actually apply. It was for that. So I, I graduated in December. I couldn't go to college that spring semester, but I could in the fall. And so when I found that out, I started applying for uh, to colleges um, to see if I'd get in. I didn't really ever like through the four years that I was in high school or the three, three years that I was in high school, I didn't really apply myself to the, like, I'm going to get into Yale and this. I was like, I'm going to do my work uh, to the best of my abilities on that day. But I could, I was never the kid that would skip assignments, even if it wasn't like to my best abilities, like I had to do my work. Mm. Um, so I had a good enough GPA that I applied to um, a few colleges at this time that I found out all of the schools in California had closed their admissions. So I had to go outside um, and I applied to UH university of Hawaii and a couple others that I ended up getting into. And I was like, it would be really irresponsible of me if I didn't go to Hawaii. <laughs> if you didn't go. Yeah. So, okay. So you're like, you got in, so you're like, I'm going there. Like yeah. I have, to, like, it's like, it's asking for it. Like I have to go to Hawaii in Go be on the beach. I have to do this. You, ha you have to. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So then you go to University of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. What was, did you have a declared major or? No, I went undeclared. Um, I got a, it was like a partial scholarship because I had a certain GPA. It was wooey. Um, and it's like, if you're within like touching states or like, what I don't even remember all the details, but it was some discount on this extremely expensive education. Yeah. It was still extremely expensive after the scholarship. 
Um, but I was undeclared my first semester and then still undeclared the second semester, but I thought I wanted to get into nursing. Mm. And so I started taking all the prereqs for that. The problem, uh, UH has an incredible nursing program, but it's also three years compared to two. And I would have lost my scholarship. So I would have been paying like more than out, um, out of state because it was their nursing program. And I was like, something in me is telling me that this is not, a, this isn't the place where I'm going to finish this degree. So I ended up coming back after that first year. Mm. Okay. Well, dang. But how was that one year in Hawaii? Gosh. I like romanticize Hawaii so much now. When I was there, I had a, uh, my first semester was extremely hard. Um, not because I was away from my family. Um, that's obviously hard in its own right. But I, I wasn't the partier. I had really honestly gotten that kind of like urge out in high school. <laughs> and um, I worked while I was there. I had two jobs again. Um, but I had such bad body image and like issues with food and that typical like story. So I spent like all of my free time at the gym there. I barely like, I didn't want to be in a bathing suit out on the beach. Like I didn't get to really experience Hawaii. Um, and then I just got so like, I would cry myself to sleep. Like I was just so isolated there. And I eventually joined a CrossFit gym there. And that's where like my entire life just like bloomed from that experience. I was waiting for that. I was like, there, there's like, you said you went to the gym in high school after working, but you didn't make it seem like it is. You like, you did it just to be like healthy and fit yeah. and like whatever. But then I was like, you're this like weightlifter, powerlifter. And then like, then the CrossFit gym comes in and I'm like, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So you join the CrossFit gym in Hawaii. Then you keep up with CrossFit when you go back mm -hmm. or did you switch? Yeah. You, so, you, so when you move back home. Yeah. You keep up with CrossFit mm -hmm. and then you are uh, not at attending University of Hawaii. Right. Then you are doing CrossFit I, plus what else? I came back from Hawaii. Like I had decided in the middle of my, of the year there that I was going to come back by the end of the year. I was like, am I sure I want to come back? Like totally fell in love with this place. The people in that CrossFit gym, um, and so I ended up coming home. I moved back with my parents. God bless them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just was going to the Los Rios Community Colleges to finish my um, prereqs for nursing. So I came back, started working at um, a restaurant, going to a CrossFit gym, uh, Los Rios. Um, and that was pretty much it for a bit. And I was just working away and then I yeah. changed my major. <laughs> yeah. Cause your UX is a little different than nursing. So <laughs> what was it a class? Was it a person? Was it what led you to that transition? Oh my gosh. Well, I, I figured like, again, I knew that I wanted to help people, but I didn't know in what capacity or how I could help people. Um, I like nursing because I like science and I like, that like critical thinking and like in the, like being pressured to make these decisions, that sort of thing. Um, and in my mind, like nurses are incredibly 
like, there's just, you can't say enough good things about what they do every day. But I knew that that wasn't the, the way that I wanted to help people. And I've had such a like up and down relationship with food and to come like to the place where I like food is fuel. Like it is a life source, like the healing that I've had with food, I wanted to help bring to others. Um, and just like the state of our food chain in America and like how people be- like in poverty don't have an option to eat healthy and mm-hmm. um, just like childhood obesity and that sort of thing is just heart, like just pulls my heartstrings. Um, so I started taking nutrition classes and like that I went that route and I thought maybe I wanted to do something with coaching um, and as much as I love that stuff, I, I want to give that stuff away like freely, which isn't necessarily fair for those that get paid to do it. Um, but I knew that that wasn't something that I wanted to charge people for and like make a living off of Okay, um, just yep. because I'm so passionate about it. I didn't want to lose that by making a career out of it. Yep. And well, understood. Yeah. Um, at this time or around this time, I, uh, started dating somebody who was a, or not was, he is a professional athlete. And so that brought a whole different element to my life of like, how am I gonna, like, what job can I have that I can at least like mold it to that lifestyle and make it so I can be with him. But also I want to work. Obviously, Mm -hmm. like my entire being is working and having a work ethic. So it was, that was such a conflicting part of my life, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, knowing that I wanted to help people. Also loving somebody who had just a very conflicting lifestyle with mine. Um, And then I eventually uh, moved to, uh, to Florida and I finished my degree in communication there. Ah, cool. I did, I did comms too. Uh, not in Florida, but here in, or there in SAC. So, okay. So you finish in Florida, mm-hmm. you're dating a professional athlete. I'm going to, I'm going to Br- break this down. <laughs> I, I want to break it down. Yeah. If, if that's okay. Um, how, how was, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask, how was it like, and like how diff, what were the challenges that dating a professional athlete is like? Cause I don't get to talk to too many people that dated a professional athlete. I just see him on the TV. I'm like, LeBron just dunked the shit out of the ball. Like, that's cool. But like, LeBron. there's like, it's <laughs> like 800 the other sides and like factors to the, to that. So what was it like? What were the pros and what were the cons? And talk to the people, tell them. Jeez. <clears throat> um, I, I, it was hard, obviously like being in a relationship with someone that's like gone half the year. Um, and, my, like it, it was fun for me because it, it was like all these outside people that don't really know him are all like they're rooting for him and just like there's good and bad things to that to being so public on and that part scared me like I I like to connect with people and so there would be like fans and like kids who always would reach out and there's so many fans And it's hard to get to all of them and some people that are taking advantage. Um, But 
there's like a few incidences that I got to actually connect with the fans and the kids and we would send them like little gifts. Um, and they were just so grateful. And that part was so much fun to see the impact he was having on that kind of like on those kids. And, um, that was probably like the coolest thing for me. That's super cool. Yeah. And it's cool to, it's such a, it is, especially in the, he plays baseball. So in the minor leagues, like they go through some shit as minor league players. And, um, that was really intense to experience. And at one point, like I would, stay with him for extended periods of time with like four other dudes living in like some, and it's like in the most random towns in the, like in this country. So there's nothing to do. It was like one of them was Lansing, Michigan. And I was, (laughs) I get there and there's no one outside. It's like the coronavirus hit them. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my gosh, you have to live here for like four or five months. And just, they, I mean, what's on the other end of the minor league life is worth it. But the amount of people that actually make it to that, it's like you are sacrificing so much. So as much as I have my issues with professional athletes at this time in my life, they do sacrifice a lot to like chase their dream. Um, But they're to be that way. They have to be raised a certain way. And that's where I, start to split off from my uh yeah I don't don't know the right word for that it just yeah I don't I can't get on board with professional athletes at this point knowing yeah yeah gotcha gotcha so so what's what's what you've lived through it what's the coronavirus like survival tip that you want to share with everyone because you lived it in Lansing Michigan oh my gosh uh Netflix (laughs) Netflix. Okay. That's it. You heard it here first people. Netflix. Yeah. Netflix. I mean, there was a lot, there was actually a lot of period of time where I would, I went to, it was somewhere in New Hampshire. I can't remember the actual town at this moment, but he would leave for a weekend at a time. So I was there alone in like this sketch town that I don't know at all. And so I read so many books that like six weeks. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I constantly think about them. Like you are a terrible person. Why can't you pick up a book like you did then and just read? Yeah. Okay. So Netflix and reading. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Keys to success. Got it. So (laughs) they don't want you to succeed. (laughs) (laughs) Secret, secret facts. Okay. So that's that. Okay. So then to wrap up this bit, Mm -hmm. Do you want to, do you either want to, or would you be open to dating a professional athlete again? Uh, No, I'm, I don't want to say no for sure, because I don't think anything in this, like, I think you're meant to be with whoever you're meant to be. And that's like super cliche to say, I think. Um, But I really do believe like there's people already out there that you are meant to end up with. So I don't want to say no for sure, but it would take a miracle (laughs) and I don't even, (laughs) I can't even imagine like what that would look like. Um, But I just, without there being a special circumstance, I would just straight up say no, for sure. Got it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Quick message from one of my sponsors, anchor anchor is the platform I use to host my podcast on. 
It is so free and so easy to use. As a chronic overthinker and over-researcher, I usually over-analyze everything before making a decision. Anchor was a clear choice for me and helped my podcast get off the ground quickly. It'll distribute your podcast for you so your audience can listen on their favorite platform like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You do not need fancy equipment or software. You can literally record and edit podcasts within the app on your phone or computer. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership required. If you've been wanting to start your own podcast, I highly encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So you heard of the pros and cons here, people. You heard Netflix and reading and... Probably don't date a professional athlete, but try it out for yourself. It's not for everyone. Yeah. It might be for you. Yeah, it might be for you. <laughs> so after that, that ends and you move on and you are still doing CrossFit. When did you get into Olympic weightlifting? So I moved, when I moved back to Sacramento, I did CrossFit for probably, I don't know, I want to say eight months. And the gym that I was at, Um, we had a girl drop in there and she was like, she was great at CrossFit. She, she was just like a great gymnast. And I think she went to regionals with the team or qualified to go to regionals for a team. Um, And we immediately clicked. Like as soon as we got paired up to work out together, we just hit it off. And she ended up joining um, Ben Claridad's weightlifting team. So she moved down here from Humboldt and she joined Occam at the time. I think it was Midtown. Uh, I think we were Midtown. I want to say wait, the weightlifting team there. Um, and so when she went there, I was like, well, I want to get better at something. I felt like I had plateaued and I didn't really have the resources to get better. And so I went and joined the weightlifting team with her and she is my best friend still to this day. And wow. So is yeah. love at first snatch? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was love at first snatch. Right on. Uh, so then, so that's how you get to weightlifting. Um, you join this weightlifting team. You move on from CrossFit. Um, are you, I'm not, so feel free to say no. Are you using your comms degree at this point? Like when you're at this point? <laughs> I don't even want to say no because it was, yeah. It is going to take me a lifetime to pay for that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's hard, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I I do think I use it. Like, it is very applicable to life, and I think I already had good like conversation skills just because I was a server for so long, and my family is not shy, so we've always been. <laughs> loud and obnoxious and like the first one to talk to a stranger. Um, but in terms of like learning relationships, especially going through my past relationship, uh, and just like navigating my relationships with my family and people that I don't necessarily agree with. Um, it is so helpful to, to have that knowledge. And I think, it will come into play with UX, just learning how people communicate in general um, and turning that into more uh, tangible st- like design stuff. Yeah, uh, no, I, I was hoping you would come out with a positive and optimistic point of view and it wasn't just a complete waste, but like, yeah. 
you're not in a communication specialist or public relations role. No. Like, yeah, right. So, um, yeah, me neither. So it's like, that's what I was like asking about. So, um, I, and I, I feel very similarly tying it into interpersonal communications with friends and family and significant others, like you're mentioning. Um, and you learned a lot or used it a lot during your last relationship. Yeah. So that is uh, always interesting. Yeah. Um, what uh, hot take? What's your number t- top two communication tips for d- dating? Oh, for dating. Yeah. Um, e- either either before officially together or pre titles. I would say first of all, like everyone communicates differently. So learning that people receive how you talk differently than how the next person receives it and how they communicate is different. So I've seen so many times and even, yeah, I'll just say I've seen so many times like people have a one, they have one way to approach every single person. And I see how destructive that can be. Um, Instead of like learning that, oh, this person is going to feel attacked if I come across this way. So I need to, I don't need to necessarily change myself or change my thoughts, but I can change the way that I express that to them. Um, And then knowing that what they're saying to you isn't necessarily uh, like a personal attack if you don't digest it in a palatable way. Um, I think that's super important to keep in mind that just like learn your partner's communication style because if you don't, that's going to be destructive for sure. Yes, absolutely. That is a huge number one tip. Love it. Let's see if you can follow it up. Number two. Number two. No pressure, but. Okay. I had one. I had one before I started and then I got, okay, let me see. Um, learning communication style. Oh, you know what? Number one, like thing that I learned, I think I can't even remember which class specifically it was, but when someone does something to upset you, just turning, like just structuring the way that you express that to them, like instead of saying you did this to me and I'm upset, this, like when you did this, it made me feel this way. Yeah. And it's so much easier to get that across them instead of them feeling like they now have to defend themselves. It's like, oh, I hurt their feelings. Now I can take that into consideration and maybe go about this differently. Amazing. Those are two amazing tips put on the spot. Good job. That was, that was killer. Um, everyone take notes if you aren't already. Um, the transcription will be online later, so you can uh, take the notes later. Um, okay, paste. so get copied, paste that shit, read it every day. <laughs> Before you slog on Tinder, read those two tips and then you'll succeed. Um, So weightlifting, communication, dating. How the hell did you get to design still and user experience? Like I'm still, we're still getting there. So what, take me, talk, talk me through that. (laughs) Let's see. I, when I moved back from Florida, I was like, kind of in a headspin of where my life was going to go, what I wanted to do, still holding on to the fact that I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. But up until this point, like I had kind of shifted my 
priorities based on the fact that I was with someone, we were together for over three years. Um, I thought that that was who I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And so I was like, charities, is that what I wanted to do? Um, I'm really passionate about environmental stuff, nutrition, and also just like women that have been abused, um, especially sex trafficking, that sort of thing. And I had done some research into that. And I ultimately came to the conclusion that I, I want to help women that have come out of that or just like people that have suffered. Um, but that's not fixing the problem. So I want, I wanted to find a way to fix things. And up until this point, I really like my family wasn't, we weren't artistic. We didn't really, we are an active family. So I never really had an in to being creative in high school. I would, I got into anything design by like going into MySpace and totally manipulating things to look. Yep. Yep. And I would spend hours and then my friends started like contacting me and they're like, please do this for me. And so then I was like coding people's MySpaces and I went into um, yearbook in high school. Mm. And that was like the closest thing to anything creative that I'd really done up until this point. And I just remember like being in that class and getting so annoyed because we were, we only were given like two spreads to do. And then I would look at other people's and be like, you can do this and fix this and make this look nicer. I'm like, but that's not your page. So mind your business. Yeah. Um, and after that, like when I went to college, I still didn't really have any way to be creative. Um, and I never thought that I was a creative person. And so I came back to California. I was serving, um, also doing like psalm wine stuff. And then I started working at Slingshot. And um, at this time, like I had gotten into photography and it was more of like, I started this uh, Instagram page called CC Humanity, where I would go and like, um, I think the first one that I did was, or one of the first ones was when the fires happened up in Chico, Paradise. Mm -hmm. And I went up there, volunteered, and I brought my camera, just like listening to people's stories, um, interviewing their experiences, and then taking pictures and just like sharing these stories through photography. And then I started going like to downtown Sacramento with um, bags of like food and blankets for the homeless. And then um, I, uh, what did I call? It was, I would bring um, coffee. It was like conversations in a cup. I think I, and I would bring like hot coffee out on the streets and just like sit and talk with um, some of the homeless people out there. And then if they would let me take a picture, I would and share their story if they were okay with that. And if not, that wasn't the purpose mm-hmm. behind all of that. Right. Right. Um, it was just really to connect with those people. And then um, just did a couple projects with that, with photography. And then when I was at slingshot, um, they have people in positions and they like play their roles. And I got hired to do customer service because my background was in communication. And I, um, I got, I took the job because I wanted to, move up and like continue to grow in that company. And it was fitness and all of that sort of thing. Again, at this time I'm a weightlifter, not a powerlifter. So it's all kind of a new world. Um, right. 
And so I was trying to find like little ways that I could kind of move up to the company or just like make my, um, my position in the, in the, uh, company a little bit more valuable. Um, and that's when I started doing like my own classes. I went to the community colleges for coding and then I figured out that as much as I love that stuff and I want to continue with that knowledge, like I love to design and I love to find problems and I love to fix problems. And so that's really kind of what pushed me into that. And just like, I wanted more for myself. And then like the notion that design is going to be the one and only thing that like makes this world a better place to me. I was like, this is it. Like I get to be creative. I get to do like hard things, like solve problems. And I can ch- like, there's possibilities to take this and like change and make yeah. change. So. Absolutely. You can do design. You can apply it to anything. Any yeah. of your passions you're talking about, any side projects, mm-hmm. main gigs, um, really quick mm-hmm. for those people Powerlifting, I mentioned earlier, is squat, bench, and deadlift. And weightlifting is? It's snatch and clean and jerk. Okay. And there are different things. Um, and bodybuilding is also a completely other thing. So, And strongman is another thing. So all yeah. those people out there, there's um, weightlifting and powerlifting. We're not up there in the speedos. That is bodybuilding. And <laughs> board shorts is bodybuilding. And bikinis is bodybuilding. So yeah, anyway. My sport is food. We eat <laughs> yeah, food yeah, here. We eat food and try to do the heavy things and weird motions. Yep. Um, so just to clarify that. So that is cool. And I love how you weren't limited. Uh, like I am in this role, but that is not who I am. It doesn't define me. And you looked beyond and what the next step was and what was more. And that you ended up finding this passion that you now took. You went to, did other classes about it to gain more knowledge. And now you're doing this online program, right? Mm -hmm. For UX specifically, which is a subset of design. Design is like this umbrella. And then you have the photography, you have basic graphic design, you have videography, Mm -hmm. you have all these things. And you know this, but I'm talking to people. For Uh, sure. And so what is uh, your focus or what are you focusing with on user experience? Or could you even define that and try to explain a little bit about it? Because so many people use UI and UX like Mm -hmm. interchangeably or like similarly. So it's like, what's your take on that? What's your definition? Kind of explain that a little bit. Well, for me, the difference between UX and UI, like UI is more front and like visual, like the little, that's more design. And then UX is more like getting to know people, finding a problem, um, finding ways to basically make an experience like thoughtless and delightful. Um, and that comes in the form of surveys and analysis, analysis with other companies that are already doing something similar. Um, just more of like the back end blueprint building testing and then mm-hmm. UI is more of like putting all that information into a, an actual like physical object I would say yeah cool uh, and so it's like I like you said uh thoughtless and what was the other word delightful uh, delightful thoughtless yeah. and delightful 
the one I like or uh, for heard also is frictionless. Oof. If I'm ch- if I'm checking out, it should not I should not have to like it should not be a game on yeah. like how I should like add this to the cart and check out. It, it should, should be, be like a natural flow. Yes. Yeah. And almost every website I've been to ever, and I'm no expert, but it's like it's always a little different and there's always different hoops to jump through or whatever. So um, you think we'd have figured this out by now, but I know uh, it's going to keep changing and evolving. I guess it's the, I, I'm going to take a step back and not be as mean. Like the phone is so new, like mobile phones are so new. It's like, it's only been around 10 or 15 years yeah. of like browsing and the internet. It's like plenty of problems have been around much longer and still haven't yeah. been solved. Right. So I will, uh, I'll come down from my pedestal of like yelling at people. So now we're basically at present day. Mm-hmm. Four weeks left in your user experience program. Still training now powerlifting. Mm-hmm. So at Slingshot, is that how you got introduced into powerlifting? Essentially, yeah. Started training for it. Yeah. And then you have done one or two powerlifting meets. I've only done one. One, okay. Which was supposed the, to be my one and only powerlifting meet. Yeah, what, so what happened? Why are you... I was a smart ass and decided to... Well, I decided to do the powerlifting meet because I worked there. I wanted to be more uh, a part of the culture, I guess, and just, like, walk the walk. And I love to make myself uncomfortable by doing things that I don't know how to do. Um. And even though like dead, like all that's still incorporated in weightlifting and just strength training in general, it's a whole different world to actually like train that and compete in that. And I was like, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to wipe the names off the board. And I'm going to call it a day. <laughs> and um, I have been dealing with an injury for a while, a back injury, and it is an extension injury. So most like, the jerk, the dip on the jerk usually hurts it. Front squats are the worst. Cleans. Um, so literally everything about weightlifting was brain, like causing so much pain. And I'd seen chiropractors, physical therapists, everything. And it wasn't getting better. And powerlifting didn't hurt it because you're never really in an extended position. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I did that one. And at the same time, literally my powerlifting meet was two weeks before my weightlifting competition. And so in the grant, like looking back, I was like, holy shit, you're an idiot. Why did you, it was so much like, I love doing shit that I shouldn't do. Like, just like, oh, I can't do that. I'm going to do it anyways. You're Um, like pushing limits and barriers and boundaries. Yeah. Like trying to prove whether people literally say it or like the theory behind it, maybe. Yeah. As you're just like, I want to prove you wrong. I can fucking do it. Yeah. I think it's just like human nature. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so so then you have the powerlifting meet. It was super fun. Yeah. Did you wipe off everyone's name on the board? I don't even know if mine count because it was raw classic and on the actual board at ST, it's just raw. Mm. So I don't know if they would have counted it, but I didn't get the deadlift. I deadlifted, I think it was like three, maybe like between 350 and 360 and the one on the mm-hmm. board's 370. Mm. Or 376. So I'm still coming from that. Yes. The squat, again, I was in wraps and it was, I think it's just knee sleeves. So um, I don't know if I'll be able to take that one down, but I'll at least be able to take the deadlift one down. 
and you're going for world records anyway, yeah. which are beyond the board. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always think bigger, always thinking what's next. And right. so world records, not just gym records. So yep. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what it's, it is the third month into this new decade that was supposed to be so amazing and it's the worst year probably in human history in our lives yeah like that maybe a little exaggerated (laughs) but like we had world war three like rumors in the beginning we had kobe bryant die we have corona like a lot of shit's happening Mm -hmm. like what is something that either a lesson or mindset or how are your you handling and processing all this and what's your focus now uh, as we continue into the year and decade? Uh, I can't even really like, I know there's been a lot of negative things happen this year, but to be honest, like I went through like the most miserable experience. Like I hit rock bottom in the end of 2017, 2018 Mm. Um, just getting out of like the abusive relationship that I was in or it turned into and uh, from like, that was such a low that things now just don't resonate as being so low. So I don't know, like, I don't know if that's a lifetime thing that I'll feel this way. I kind of hope it will. I have a much different perspective, especially like seeing all of the incredible things that came if that situation didn't happen, I wouldn't have any of the things that I have in my life today. So it's hard to like get bogged down by negative things like that, just because I know there's a greater purpose to all this. There's something that's like, we're focusing on all the negative things that are happening when like, if we just turned around and look the other way, there's so much good that's happening. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a collective energy is just so, weird right now and just very for obvious reasons but um, I think in the long run I think there's going to be a lot more good to come of it that us as a like forget the government and politics because they're not doing shit for us they're not going to make this turn this around and make this like a positive thing but as a society we always seem to make things pretty pretty damn cool so it's hard to I wouldn't even say like that I'm getting too much, like bogged down too much. I think mm-hmm. with at, like the powerlifting competition coming up, um, it's been stressful trying to balance my time and powerlifting takes a huge toll on my nervous system, which takes a toll on my work. So finding a way to balance that. And um, I'm just so excited about, I'm scared as hell as to what comes next, like moving out of my apartment was this, like I cried for a week. It was my favorite place to be. And it was like this little tiny apartment in downtown and noisy. My neighbors were noisy, but it was the first time that I got to live by myself. And when I first moved back from Florida, I, when my, my parents would leave for a weekend and I was in such a terrible place, I would cry and have panic attacks while they were gone And to like come full circle and like actually just love to live in solitude and be in peace that way. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just a really cool reflection. So that was really hard to move out of my apartment after all of that. Um, But I'm like this, I took a huge leap of faith. I quit my job 
and I've been living off my savings. And so I'm just, I'm so focused on that. Yeah. And I have no specific destination as to where I want to end up. Like I'm applying to all, like every state that has like a tech industry. Um, and I'm just like letting fate take, take the reins a little bit. So yeah, you, you put in the work, you've like come so far, your mindsets change, your attitudes improved and like, I know it's going to work out and you're open to how it ends up working out. Mm-hmm. Like you're not just applying for jobs within 10 miles of you. Like yeah. it seems like you're like, give me anywhere. Like I'm yeah. down to experience new stuff. Yep. Yeah. That's really, that's really insane. That's really cool. Um, so I, I wish you the best on the powerlifting and yeah. the, the program, the Thank you. ending soon. Yeah. Um, any last thing you want to say, uh, to wrap up this long back and forth about a lot of stuff before we move on. Yeah. Um, I would, I'll try not to like drag this out because I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. I want to hear it. All right. Um, I would say like, is this the, is this little bit or do I, should I wait till the end to drop that? Okay. So now we're moving on to that one thing segment. you're talking to everyone (laughs) in the world all at once okay and this you're you have their attention they can understand you it can be an image a video a quote it could be a saying it could be something funny life truth what's that one thing you would tell everyone alexa and why okay i would say can it be two things i don't have a quote well i guess i'll I'll allow two this one thing okay um the one thing that i have learned through like the ups and downs that I've experienced, um, even like most, even more so in like the negative, like the worst times of life, like everything is exactly the way that it should be. And it's really hard to hold on to that in moments of like brokenness and hardships. It's so hard, but that, that was literally that quote. I don't remember if someone said it to me or like how I came on it up on it um but I remember like in between like crying and panic attacks like I just had to hold on to faith that not only is this like everything happens for a reason but like this every little detail every little thing is exactly the way it should be and that and it's true and like to get to the other side of it and be like this is exactly why this happened and this and that um it just makes things, it just makes life so much easier to live and not to get hung up on coronavirus outbreak and things like that. And I spend a lot of time cracking jokes at my own expense and it is so much fun to laugh at yourself and to be like, to be able to make fun of yourself and have like people laugh along with you. Like life isn't so serious and if you can just find a way to laugh at yourself through everything and in any opportunity, like so much fun. So much fun. You'll get through it. That was awesome. So that's that one thing. Yeah. Alexa, thanks for coming on. Where the hell can people find you and talk to you at and follow along for your uh, journeys into user experience, uh, your world records and beyond with all the memes and other stuff you post about <laughs> me making fun of myself <laughs> <laughs> daily. Yes. Uh, 
the Instagram handle is ship Shiza S H I P S H I I I Z A. That is three eyes yeah. that will be tagged in the post in the show notes. Not Shipzilla. No, because that's why it not looks everyone like everyone thinks that everyone people will call me Shipzilla. I'm like, not okay. Yes, you can call me that. <laughs> you're like, sure, that's you're like, that works. Yeah. I'm like, so, should I pe- change the handle? I think it's too late. No, no, no. You gotta stick to your guns. Yeah. You gotta stick to your thing. Yeah. Don't let the people influence you. Her. You influence the people. That's right. That's how it goes. <laughs> it's ship shiza. Ship shiza, three eyes. Yeah. Um, so you can find her on Instagram, follow her, message her, give her support, show her love for this episode, world records that she's gonna break. It was awesome talking to you. I'm. I feel like we could talk a whole other episode. I'll have you on in another Seriously. year, and then we'll get into some other stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is really awesome. Thank you for being relatively vulnerable. <laughs> Thank you for being yourself. And yeah. we are not that close of friends at all, but I feel more connected, and I think yeah. this will help a lot of people. So yeah. Thank just, you. Thanks again. Yeah. I think it's so cool that people can like sit down and want to ask questions about people. So I think that's really special. Well, thank you. I'm doing my best. And Mm -hmm. um, there was today's episode and I will catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Relatively Vulnerable Podcast. If you haven't already, I'd love and appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out a lot in terms of growing the listenership. If you want to take it a step further, you can throw a few bucks towards the podcast and donate at anchor.fm slash relatively vulnerable and click the support button. I always love hearing your feedback and support. So if you post or share about the podcast, please tag me at Matt Lee the Digital on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks and have an awesome day.